like a raving lunatic that has nothing to lose because you don't. And when you realize that, that's when you make the decision that you're going to play your best. Because if you don't, you don't have it tomorrow. You don't get another 48 minutes. That's what we're here Welcome into the Sideline Trap Podcast, hosted by Casey Jenkins and Joe Gibbons. We're two high school basketball coaches. We're going to be discussing a plethora of different basketball topics, uh, things from philosophies and systems, practice plans and drill work. Uh, we're going to try to cover as many topics as we as we can. Um, uh, my name is Casey Jenkins. That's me. I, I've coached basketball at the high school level for, this will be my sixth year. Coach Gibbons, would you like to hop in and introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, so my name is Joe Gibbons. I'm, uh, I've been a high school basketball coach, a head coach for uh, four full seasons going into my fifth uh, and coach a little bit at the college level beforehand for about four years. Um, so like Casey kind of said, a couple of young guys um, just kind of talking hoops, getting our feet wet. Yeah, we're going to bring in some guests. Um, we're going to talk about some basketball news from the NBA, college, high school. Um, we plan on bringing in some, an array of guests. That's pretty exciting for me, and I, I think Coach Gibbons as well. I'm really excited to talk to people from all over the basketball spectrum. Um, pretty much, we just want to we just want to be able to share with people what we know or what we think, and uh, gather some information along the way. We're kind of learning. We're young, as Coach Gibbons said. I think that's the beauty of this game, right? There's there's a million different ways you can do things, and whatever whatever coach and I talk about, um, it's just something that either has worked for us or maybe it hasn't. Um, but it's just one way that we did something, and um, like he said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna learn from each other throughout this, and and uh, you know, we talked about it all the time. We we have these conversations. I've been on the phone with you till two in the morning before yeah, yeah. talking hoops. <laughs> so it's like, why not record these things? And see if anybody else can learn from it. And 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 you said we're gonna have a ton a ton of guests, all different kinds of guests. So I'm sure we'll learn from those guys as well. So I, I'm looking forward to 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 doing this and 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 trying to learn as, and soak up as much as I can. Well, uh, on that note, let's get let's kind of hop right into our news here, if uh, if you don't mind. Absolutely. <clears throat> One topic that you you brought to my attention recently was the uh, the shot clock. It has been instituted in the state of Georgia. That's the ninth state to um, employ the, the shot clock. Now they're going to do that on a three-year, on like a three-year window. So year one, it'll be like holiday tournaments. Year two, they'll have, schools will have the option. Tell me if I'm wrong here. Schools will have the option to employ it, and then year three, it'll be mandated, correct? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. First year is, is some, some tournaments, some showcases. Second year, they're going to do it, um, I guess it's up to the region which in our case in Pennsylvania would be kind of like the district. Um, so it goes by region by region. And then the third year, it's mandatory throughout, uh, you know, all sanctioned uh, Georgia high school uh, basketball games. Um, the one thing that I did, th- I, I found interesting, the most interesting thing I found out about it is that they went with the 30-second clock, which 
I thought was kind of a little bit short, especially for high school. I thought maybe they go a little bit on the, on the higher end of maybe a 35 or maybe even a 40 second shot clock. So I was a little surprised um, that they Did you read anything, any, anything as to why, what made their decision go one way or the other as, as far as the length of the shot clock? Did you look at, uh, read anything there? No, nothing with time. Um, I, I know there was, um, uh, there was some back and forth on, on, you know, benefits of the shot clock or, or what, you know, what they, they put down as benefits of having a shot clock. Uh, but nothing, I didn't hear any discussions in regard to, in regard to time. The only thing I could think of is maybe they went along with obviously the men's uh, I forget if the women's is also 30 now. I think it is, but uh, maybe they just, they wanted to be as close to the, the, the NCAA shot clock as, as they could have. The other thing I found super interesting about the Georgia implementing the shot clock is the, the argument you always hear about the shot clock, right? Is the cost and how much it's going to cost to put in, how are we going to pay the people to run it? And um, I follow Jesse McMillan, who coaches yeah. Norcross uh, on Twitter. And he has got so many different ideas on how to do things. Um, and I, just one of the ideas he came up with was like AAU events always rent high school gyms, right? Yeah. So why not work with those guys to be able to, to, to defray some of that cost? Because then they can use it in the summer. You can use it for training officials to be able to get used to using a shot clock. It's brand new for them, too. I mean, unless yeah. they've refed college games it's, it's, it's a totally different thing. They got to understand who's watching them for the, you know, for the reset, when to reset it um, yeah. and things like that. But, but, and the other thing, I mean, he, he talked about a shot clock. I didn't know this. It, it's like 2,500 bucks um, mm -hmm. for a shot clock. And one of the things he mentioned, obviously like every school in Georgia is going to need one. And uh, you know, he talked about how a lot of the, the gyms that have been built lately were actually built with shot clocks. They had some foresight there. But yeah. it's twenty five hundred bucks four o'clock, and you figure every school in Georgia needs one. So he was saying, you know, he talked about a little bit about like bulk pricing. If you need, you know, I don't know how many high schools. Yeah, that's there are a great in idea. But I mean, if there's if there's five hundred high schools that need one, you all you you know you order from the, you know the same company, you're gonna get a great deal for them. And you know, for the vast majority of school districts, I I just I don't think twenty five hundred bucks is that is that big of a deal. Yeah, I think I saw the estimate. The, the some of the stuff I read was like the estimate would be like a little over three thousand for everything that was needed to begin. Did you read something similar to that? Yeah, I mean, and then you, yeah, because you got yeah, obviously it's like twenty five hundred for this clock, and then you got to install it and stuff right. like that. Right. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's definitely some ways to get around that, but like as far as the game is concerned, we're we're all we're all here, right? Like. It needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's coming okay. from me. Like, like my team's like, I, I would, I would put money on that. I, we were in the lowest 10, yes. lowest 10 percentile in pace of play. Yes. And I want a shot clock. <laughs> like, like, Dude, it we makes had, everything like we played better. so slow, but I want a shot clock. <laughs> it makes you work. It makes everyone work harder. Like, I just don't it, think like it's, it's, I don't think, um, how many, how many, possessions can you say like off the top of your head without thinking about it how many possessions do you think you had this year where it would have been a shot clock violation not many not many actually a couple of years ago we i i had a team that we were playing pretty fast and it was like a first year of trying to play faster so we scheduled a game with a school in new york right across the border because we're yeah. very close to just so that we could use the shot clock because I wanted one for practice. I couldn't get, I couldn't get the school to get one. It, you know, it's expensive, whatever. 
So, <clears throat> but we scheduled this game across the border. We went up there. They had more issues with the shot clock than we did. We didn't. We didn't run into one single opportunity to where it it factored into the game for us. You know, but we were trying to play faster. But I think for teams like that do play at a slower bit slower pace, it's going to make that change happen. So I think it's going to make it's going to make everything tighten up. It's going to make sure that the coach is tighter on calls and and practices have to be more crisp and players have to know their IQ levels have to go up because everything has to happen a little bit cleaner. And then there's also those those situational things that you're going to come across with the shot clock where it actually adds a little more element of of chess to the game. Yeah, it adds especially the end of a game. It adds it adds so much. Yeah, but one of the one of the one of the biggest things I picked up I was scrolling through Twitter, looking at this the the shot clock stuff in Georgia. Somebody posted something like, "the the biggest benefit to a shot clock is that it lets players make plays and not run plays. Like it yeah. lets them play basketball. They're not robots running through an offensive set for a minute and a half. Yes. It lets them go make plays, and I think that's important for the game." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four corners is out. <laughs> <laughs> Too long ago. Four corners is out. <laughs> um, which I don't. I I read this too. I, I don't know why, but I didn't have much background information on the shot clock, so I was just like researching the history of the shot clock. It was created in '54 by the Syracuse Nationals, their owner and GM, and it was implemented in '55, and then FIBA picked it up in '56. And the NCAA picked it up in 86. It took the NCAA <laughs> 30, 30 years to pick it up. And here we are. <clears throat> How many years later? 30 more years. 35 30 more, more years, years yep, trying to yep. look, trying to get it in high school. Well, eventually we'll get there. Well, good for Georgia. I'm 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 happy good for, for I'm happy for them. I'm happy for their coaches. Same. Um I hope Pennsylvania gets on board, to be honest, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, another, another topic for our news and notes segments here. Uh, I wanted to touch on just the, just the coronavirus stuff with the NBA players. Um, as of two days ago, 25 NBA players had been tested positive, um, out of, I think that number was 300 and 302, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and also the, the list of players that are opting out of the restart are DeAndre Jordan, Victor Oladipo, Wilson Chandler, Willie Cauley-Stein, Avery Bradley, Thabo Cephalosha, Davis Bertans, and Trevor Ariza. You know, that's kind of all over the map as far as you know, the roles they play for their teams, but there's some, some legitimate players on that list that are, you know, are, are canceling out of that thing. Yeah, they're not, I mean, some, they're not small names. No, I mean that especially like DeAndre Jordan, he's a big piece. Yeah. Um it's it's a nice. I also saw I was scrolling, th- you know, through the interwebs earlier today, and Malcolm Brogdon tested positive. Jabari Parker, and I actually just got a notification right before uh, we started recording here that the uh, along with the Clippers and the Heat, the Bucks just shut down their practice facility as well. Really? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's yeah. it's. I mean, it's it. The, the scary part is right that it's it's continuous like you i can get tested today and then you know tomorrow yeah. it's it's positive so you you never know and um like you said it's it's those are some pretty big names and if those guys if you don't know it you're in practice you know what happens there you know yeah it's definitely i mean it's going to create it already has and it will continue to create more obstacles for the sporting world and i will obviously going to touch on this a little bit later in the show but um that's just an, an example of what it already has kind of done 
and with things trying to we're trying to kick back up and restart uh, another area where it's it's touched is uh nike's eybl they canceled that uh they're continuing their toc and i was i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because i thought that was curious as to what why they would cancel one and continue the other you know the, the only the only thing i can think of right is they have to have i don't know if the the toc is in a live recruiting period but i know mm-hmm. that the the peach jam which is part of the eybl was canceled and that was like that's like the biggest recruiting event of the summer that's a good point so yeah the only thing i could think of is that they got to get like cuz you can i mean there i think a lot of aau events are like streaming their games but like if you're recruiting and you're trying to evaluate players like i, I want to be i want to be there with them i want to see them live i want to see their size live i want to see how they move live it's just it's 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 a lot easier for those guys to evaluate live that's that's the only thing i could think of is why they would they would have one event and not cancel all of them right right and also like if you're recruiting if you're recruiting a kid uh as far as a streaming event goes like you might you might be able to miss out on things like body language when, when they're off the floor yeah. how they interact with teammates or officials things like that there's there's too much to that you would need to be there to see and that's what a lot of coaches look for a lot of those college yeah. guys like they they don't you know, some of those guys, they don't necessarily look for skill first. I mean, obviously, they're recruiting the upper echelon of players, so yeah. they're skilled. But, you know, they're looking at how they interact with their coach, how they interact with their parents, I've heard coaches say. Yeah. Um, and that's, like you said, that's stuff you're, that's you're going to miss if you're watching a game streaming live. Yeah. Um, I think that the Tournament of Champions, too, uh, I could be I, – I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's like a multi-sport tournament. And yeah, I don't know. That I don't know. That I believe it is, and and some of the the sports that are involved in that tournament are outdoor sports, so that may also weigh into why that continued, because of the uh, the ability to do things outside. I'm not exactly sure. That's yeah, um, that, that probably played a factor into it too. Uh, another another noteworthy thing was the is the NBA when they do continue. I thought this was just interesting to talk about. They, they're going to put a delay on the broadcast due to. Uh, the explicit language (laughs) and you and I talked about this the other day. Um, I personally would pay a premium package of maybe a dollar or two to hear the non-delay version. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to hear what they're saying to each other. I would pay NBA league pass prices to hear an unedited NBA game because in all, in all the junk they're talking, right. In all the curse words, all the junk they're talking, their communication is second to none. They never shut up. And it's always, well, I shouldn't say always, 99.9% of the time, whatever they say has a point to it. And I guess even when they're talking trash, it does too, right? Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. trying to get under somebody's skin. But but yeah, I would absolutely, I would pay league pass prices for unedited access to an NBA game. 100%. Dude, I think that's probably one of the things that, at least the players that I have coached, it's one of the things that they don't realize is how much talk goes into basketball on both ends of the floor, like just the communication level. Yeah. Cause it's next level when you go to the next level. And as you climb the ladder, it just gets more and more ridiculous with the amount of communication that happens. Believe it. We went, so I went, uh, my, one, my first year coaching high school, uh, my assistant coach and I went down to uh, Lafayette and mm-hmm. sat in in a practice with those guys and just the level of communication offensively, like they never stopped talking 
offensively. And it didn't matter. I mean, they're calling out when they're setting picks, what they're doing, and it doesn't matter to the defense. I mean, if they scout it, they already know what's coming anyway. But what struck me the most of that practice um, was how much those guys communicate. Like, and you never, you never hear about people communicating offensively. You always hear about you have to talk on defense. Yep, talk on 100%. Defense. And those guys, they never shut up on offense. And it was beautiful. They, they run a, f- a fantastic offense. It was, it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, that's the, for sure. In my practices, when, when we're playing defense, that's something that I always head on is communication defensively, but it's yeah. definitely something I miss offensively. It's talking. All right. So I think that wraps up the hoops news for the week. Uh, gave you guys some points. Now that we're going to move into our main topic um, this week. And obviously it's summertime, it's July. Um, so I think that the topic we want to talk about, the topic at hand is is kind of how we plan out our summers. I'm sure they're different. In fact, I know they're different uh, just from talking to, to coach, but um, how we, how we kind of structure our summers in terms of, of scheduling and, and, and even I'm sure we'll get into some of the things that, that we do. Um, but for, for me, the way I kind of structure my summers is I don't start until they're out of school in June. Um, so we'll start yeah. in June and we'll go, we'll go three days a week, but we also play in a summer league, which you guys also play in. So that summer league will eat up one of those days. So we might have an open gym Monday, uh, you know, a, a summer league game Thursday and an open gym Saturday or whenever it is. So, so we'll, we'll go at least three days a week. And that includes, um, you know, game, games and, and, and open, open gyms. Um, and we'll do that almost through the entire summer. And then I usually give my guys off the last two weeks of August to kind of get them back acclimated to, to being in school. Cause I don't think they need basketball practice on their mind, starting a new school year. Um, kind of let those guys get yeah. into the swing of things in the, in school. And then we'll come back, um, you know, second week of September and we'll continue to go three days a week. Um, and it's all open gyms at this point. And, uh, and we'll go three days a week until the first week of November. And then I give those guys off the next two and a half, three weeks, um, until the start of the season. So, I mean, it's a lot. Um, there's no doubt about that, but I, I think it's paid dividends for us, uh, you know, the past few years, I don't know. I actually don't know what you, you know, you guys do in terms of, of scheduling or anything like anything like that. So I'm interested to hear. Well, have you, have you kept that, that same scheduling for as you've been there? How five years, but this will be uh, my fifth this year. Be, this will year. be my fifth. This will be my fifth year. Yeah. And we've, we've kept. Yeah. Um, so we've kept it. Yeah. We, we've, we've gone mostly three days a week. I found that that's kind of the magic the magic number anymore. And it's, you know, your numbers wane even more than they typically do in the summer and and any less. I just don't, I just kind of feel like you're not getting a whole lot out of. Well, how about like the, like the two week period in August? Do you, have you always taken that two week period period off? Yeah. Yeah. I've always given them that off just because, like I said, I I think it's important for the, well, it's important for them to be kids, right? I want them to one enjoy the last two weeks of their summer without having to worry about getting anywhere. And just let them be kids, and then on the, set, on the on the other side of that coin is I want them to acclimate to being in school, especially those those guys that are like going from eighth grade to ninth grade. Um, some of those incoming freshmen. Oh, yeah. I know it's it's not it's maybe not a huge jump as it as it was for like, you know, for for like me because I didn't I didn't go to the same you know I went to a private school so I wasn't in the same building as you know in seventh grade as I was with yeah. ninth graders. 
Um, but I still think it's important for them to, to get acclimated. And I've always, I've always in the same vein, I've always given those guys off the first couple or the first two weeks uh, before the start of the season, just to refresh and get their bodies back to normal. Right. Well, I, I mean, I've done it a, a grip of different ways. This will be my sixth year. And as you know, we, we've talked about this a bunch. Every year that I'm there, I try something different. Yeah. I, I find the things that worked well. And I try to stick those out. And, uh, you know, I know I'm limited as a coach, so it's it's up to me to try different stuff and try to Frankenstein my way through on what works um, and listen to guys like you and other people that I respect and, and find out what has worked for them. But, so, you know, a couple of years ago, let's see, like four four years ago, we were the, I had a group that was very dedicated. So we were up there at least two, three days a week. They were lifting for 45 minutes. And then we were in the gym, mostly shooting for you know an hour, what have you. Not a lot of play, but a lot of, with that group, it was lifting, shooting. And we obviously did the summer league as well. So they, that group went a lot. And then <clears throat> forward a couple of years, I had a, a, a couple of groups that weren't as motivated in the off season. So our, our, num- our just days just dwindled because for me with my work schedule, it was a little difficult to get up there. Um, it was not, not, not difficult to get up there. Sometimes I always, I felt like it was, um, it was uh, underwhelming when you go up there and you get like a couple, like two kids, You're like, man, yeah. I scheduled this out. You got two kids up here to work. And that's like, that kind of beat me down a little bit, but that's something that I've learned that you just have to, you just have to go, you have to work through it. You have to offer that up no matter what. Um, with that group, it was like, the, the days dropped off. We were going once, maybe twice a week, and we didn't get started till a little bit later. I'm with you. We don't start until they're out of school. I usually don't start until July. Give them a little bit of a grace period, you know. Have have a, have a good good time. Do whatever they got to do. Also, you, know, you got kids that have jobs, and in our situations, it's not like they can walk down the street to the school. They it has to be scheduled. They have to get a ride if they can't drive. They have to plan on driving uh, it's a travel thing too so it has to be scheduled but like the group that i had most recently we barely spent we did, we spent probably 30 percent of our time in the gym and 70 percent of our time in the weight room because i really i was trying to institute an uh i was trying to institute the weight room as like not a scary thing because i think it is that's for a yeah, lot of our kids i just think it's intimidating that's one thing that I haven't been able to kind of sell my guys on in the past is getting in the weight room. We've, we've started, we've tried it. Um, and we've started and we have good numbers in the beginning and then it just, it just wanes. And I think before, before we kind of keep going, I think it's important to let, I mean, obviously the most people that'll be listening to this are, are in Pennsylvania, but, um, Pennsylvania doesn't have any contact rules in the summer, as long as it's, it's basically, as long as it's not mandatory. Right. Um, and I don't, you know, you don't hold it against the kid for being there or not being there. Um, but right. But yeah, we, we've tried to do the, the, you know, the, the weight room thing and it, it just hasn't, it hadn't panned out for us. So I would, I just dropped that and I just went back to, to skill development. Yeah. Well, if you know, you find what works for you and the skill development has clearly worked for you. I just thought I had a resource available to me. I had, I knew a guy um, who we got on staff as a volunteer and he was a personal trainer. So he, he like, you know, I mean, that's what he likes to do. And he's a personable dude. So 
getting with the kids in the weight room. That's what he loved to do. It's not what I love to do. If you can see, <laughs> this is that's not my forte, but it is his. <laughs> so turn the resource loose with the kids, and and over two off seasons, yeah, two off seasons, I guess it was. Um, we started to gather some some traction with the with the lifting. Now, this year. I was going because we had some traction with lifting. So now I like I had a kid two days ago text me who's never he was never into lifting. Two days ago he said, "Hey coach, I know I need to get in the weight room. Can you help me? Uh, can you can you help me with the strength coach? Get him in contact with me to give me a, a plan. He wants a diet plan. He wants he wants a strength plan. So this kid can now do it on his own. We don't have to take time from our open gym. Now we can go back in and this summer we're going to focus on shooting the ball." because we hadn't for a while and it had shown, you know, so I'm like trying to layer these things and it's a weird, it's a weird thing to try to figure out because I'm, I want to institute the ability to create the, I want to institute the lifting as like a real thing. But when with doing that, you have to take from somewhere. And when we, we did that, we hurt in our ability to shoot the basketball and we spent so little time on it in the off season. That's the tough part, right? Is you, you, you want to find do, a way to foundationalize like lifting. Yeah, you can't. You try, you try to do it you all. You simply can't then, do it all. Yeah. Well, well, kind of what I've done in the past, like over four years and, and, and we've really, we've really focused on shooting the last two summers. That's almost, you know, I'd say probably at least 75% of our open gym time was, was solely focused on shooting the basketball. Um, but throughout those four years, and it shows. Yeah, in the summer because we, we uh, obviously you only we're only going to get so much time, right? And we're not going to get guys to get there five days a week, um, you know, and then come in and hey, coach, can I shoot a little bit on the side, you know, all the time? So you try to layer these things throughout the years, right? With your class, like three years ago, we worked on footwork a lot with our guys, and then when yeah. they're in their yeah. you know their freshman year, we worked a lot on uh, pivots and ball handling. So you, at least me, like I, I try to. I try to kind of get these building blocks as they get older and then kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, take each season for what it is and kind of evaluate, like, what do I think is is really important for these guys to work on for this next season? Like I said, the last, right. the last two years, it was, it was shooting. And we did, like I said, we did, we did so much shooting. Um, and it, it did, it did, it did pay off for us. Uh, you know, we had a couple guys jump three, four, 5% in shooting percentage. It showed um, in your numbers at the end of the year. It yeah, showed I mean, in scouting it, reports when we played you. Well, that's it. I mean, in the offense we run, like we we get a lot of threes. So I thought it was important for us to 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 really shoot the basketball. And like when I when I say we worked on shooting, we we may have like touched on a little bit of form stuff, but for the amount of time that I get those guys in the summer, which is like an hour and a half a day, you know, maybe three days a week, like. I don't have the time to change somebody's form, you know, like start from the ground up. So, so we, we've made little tweaks and then we really, really worked on um, balance and where their feet are uh, while they're shooting the basketball. And like I said, it, it, it I think it worked out for us. Um, you know, and, and now, you know, those guys have moved on. They're just, they were seniors. They just graduated. So um, I, we'll see what happens this, this next year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, 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 I haven't really sat down and evaluated it much because there's just so many things going on in the mind with, uh, 
being able to get in the gym or not. And, and, you know, the whole coronavirus thing to touch on it again. Well, that's, yeah. Do you want to dive into that now? Because <laughs> that's a whole other bag of potatoes, bucket of worms, whatever. It's a whole different thing, man. This off season is, is first of all, the kids that have just graduated, the weirdest year of graduation ever. Oh but yeah. Now, now for the kids that are returning, the 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 off season is going to be just the oddest thing. Like, for the I think the very first obstacle to even talk about is no matter what the state, like if the state gives you the go ahead to get back to work, I think there's a you have to be cognizant of the parents. Do the parents even want, like, even though the state says it's cool, do the parents really want their kids go and be in these other groups of kids and coaches and things of that nature? Like that's an obstacle in itself just to get started. Yeah. How much risk are they willing, are they willing to, to, to really take? Um, and I know that obviously the state has outlined um, some guidelines and things like that to try to reduce that risk. But, you know, at the same time, it's, it's, you know, you're in contact with, with people and, and, you know, you and I, to, to, we're not teachers either, so we're not really in that bubble, so to speak, Yeah. Uh, of being in that school, you know. And I've been, you know, thankfully I've been able to work from home and stuff like that. But so I haven't really, you know, been interacting with a, a ton of people. But again, um, you know, it gets to that point where um, is this is this the right thing to do? Is 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 working these guys out in the summer really the, the best thing to be doing right now? Um, and like you said, that's, that's, that's an, an individual decision that I think parents have to really think about and, and, and come to terms with. It is. I mean, we have to, we have to still do our best to give the opportunity to the kids to get better in the off season, you know, and then at, after that, it's, you turn it over to them and it's their decision as it always is. But this year is just a little extra weird. Um, this shortened off season is going to ca- cause a lot of issues in my opinion for new coaches guys that just got jobs or even assistants that just got hired on there's a you have a shortened window to work with your kids to work with your team to figure out what you are and i think that's going to i think the areas where we're going to see that impact the most is with new hires um guys like you who have been you've been kind of working the same thing for 5 years you're in a groove the kids that have played for you they know what they're getting when they come back New coach he does not have that leg to stand on. Everything's fresh for him. Yeah, I wonder. I, I even wonder how many of those guys that have been hired, like, have they even been a- able to meet their team? Um, well, I actually saw. I saw a story. I think it was on ESPN. A couple. This probably a month ago now. Uh, college coach got hired. He called all of his players. Right after the hire, called them all, and then three weeks later, still hadn't met them, and he had like a Zoom meeting. That's how he met his players to be a Zoom three weeks after the hiring. Still hadn't actually met his kids. That's that's I mean, that's like you said, that's that's crazy because I think not being face to face, you kind of lose some of the expectations. Uh and yeah. I mean you lose the relationship aspect of coaching, which is really what it is. It, it's what it it's huge. It's, it is. <clears throat> it, that that's that's made mainly what we do. We build relationships and we, in my opinion, we build relationships and create opportunities. And when you can't build the relationship, it really is going to limit how you can even offer up an opportunity to a kid. 
Right. You have it's nothing gonna, to, to go off of. It's it's um, like you said, it's uh, it's a hard summer for those guys. I mean, it's a hard summer for us not being able um, to coach. I mean, there are ways to do it, obviously, with, with Zoom and trying to get workouts out to your players and stuff like that. But but I just to me and I'm sure to a lot of coaches, there's no replacing that hands on, you know, working with the player, being being there with them, um, you know, the positive touch, the encouragement. Um, all those things that, that play into, you know, coaching face to face with somebody. I mean, the, 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 the internet, the, the streaming can only, can only go so far when it comes to coaching. Um, so it's an unfortunate situation all, all around, really. A hundred percent. Um, <clears throat> I, I did want to, I did want to loop back real quick to your, your off season, your, if you had to break it, break it down percentage-wise, what would you say you, you said well, you worked like 75% of the time on your shooting? What are you doing the, re- the other 25% of the time? The other the other 25%, it's a lot of ball handling uh, and footwork okay. pivoting. And, and then obviously you mix all these things together with like multiple multiple action drills. Um, but it's all offensive, offensive skill work. Sometimes I'll break it down. We'll get you know, we'll get chairs out. We'll get, um, we'll get dribble moves, um, you know, things like that. But it's all offensive skill work. I don't touch, I haven't taught defense at all, um, in the summertime. So it's, so in the past few years, it's been 75% shooting, maybe, you know, five to 7%, uh, ball handling, but the rest of it is, uh, a lot of footwork, a lot of pivoting, um, and then you throw in a lot, you know, a little bit of, of post stuff, but it's always, I've always broken it down to when you catch it, this is, you know, this is the footwork that is, is important to, to use. And I think, and we've talked about it. I think um, the encouraging thing was, and I've gone back with this quarantine thing, I've gone back and watched a lot of film from this past year. And I was able to go back and just recognize stuff that we did over and over in the summer and put to have those guys put it to use in a game. So that's, it's, and as coaches, you kind of need that, right. It's encouraging to see like, yes. you know, I, I, this is working. At least I think it's working. They're doing it. Right. <laughs> so I've taught it in a manner that they're doing it and he scored. So it must be working. Um, but it's encouraging to see those things come to fruition and, and kind of get validation for, for you as a, a teacher of the game. Yeah. It'd be a real bummer if you didn't see any, any result of, of the <laughs> effort put in <laughs> a real bummer. <clears throat> All right. To wrap us up, I think we're going to talk about a hypothetical situation of the day. Now, at this this juncture in the podcast, we're going to flip flop from uh, some weeks. We may do voicemails, so we'll have a link. You guys can call in and, and leave us questions, things we could, topics for us to touch on. Um, considering this is day one for us, we're going to start off with a hypothetical situation. Um, Coach Gibbs, you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. All right. Your team is down two points. You just got a stop and you secured the defensive rebound. There are eight seconds to play. What do you do? The question is, who has the ball? What what player has the ball? Right? If if you, my you tell you tell me. <laughs> if my best player either gets the rebound or gets a quick outlet and is pushing, I'm not I'm not calling timeout because I don't want the defense to set. I don't want them to change defenses, not to mention 
they're going to key on the best player. He's already got the ball. So I already have, you know, three quarters of my job is already done. My best player's got the ball at the end of a game, and he's going to get a shot. Whether it's a good one, bad one, my best player's going to get a shot up. Now, if he's in transition, right, obviously he's pushing because there's eight seconds left or less than eight seconds at this point. If he's pushing in transition and has to retreat at all or bobbles the dribble or anything like that, then I'm going to call timeout because at that point, I feel like he's got to recollect himself. There's no time to really back it up uh, and then try to, and then try to create. Um, so to me, if my best player's got the ball, you know, late game situation, I'm going to let him go and let him decide the game for us. I'm not going to call timeout and try to mess it up for him. Right. I'm not going to take the ball out of his hands. What happens? Let's assume the best player cannot, he doesn't come down with the rebound and that we can't hit him with the outlet. You've got, I don't know. Let's, let's say your, your two guards, he's a little iffy. He comes down with the board. He's the one with the ball. What are you doing in this situation? Probably going to call timeout. But I'm gonna to try to I'm gonna to try to get hopefully, hopefully uh, you know that player is is mindful enough to try to advance the ball as far as he can. So what I don't want to happen is get into a situation where there's five or five or so, or four or so seconds left, especially three and below, where I have to go the length of the floor. Um, right. That bec- that becomes a nightmare. So hopefully he's mindful enough to advance the ball a little bit, and then if he gets around half court, then I'm gonna call timeout. You know he gets the rebound with eight seconds. You know, you figure he pushes it up. You're looking at, you know, four, three and a half, four seconds maybe. Um, and that's, that's that's to me, that's a long enough time uh, from a sideline, uh, a sideline out of bounds play perspective that I can run anything in my playbook. Yeah, yeah. Thoroughly agree. Um, if I'm 100% with you. If you have, a, if you have a, a kid who can, one of your better players comes down with the ball, let's go. Let's go up to floor. Let's push the ball. Um, and I think the one difference between you and I is that's generally me almost all the time anyway. Um, best player or not comes down with it. I, I, I want to get it up the floor at the very least. I want to advance it so that if I can't do need to call a timeout, we can just hustle up and advance it to that, that across the, the, the timeline. Um, but generally speaking, in those situations, more often than not, I've just let my kids play it out. Because the offense we kind of run, it's a it's a read and react sort of situation. Um, I don't. It's not. It's not going to be up to me to make a call. The kids should at this point know what we want to do. They're re- reacting to things, so I, I like to let them play. Um, there have been times for sure that that's bitten me because you have that late because of the pace and the pressure of the clock, where you have a kid uncharacteristically bobbled the ball. Right. <laughs> and then you lose, you know, you lose a second and now we can't something that should have been a shot now isn't that has happened. But generally speaking, I like to let them just play. And also it, it avoids it allows me to avoid the thing that I hate the most, which is call a timeout. You've seen the team play one defense all game long, call a timeout, and then they, th- they, they throw Switch. something at you. Yeah, that's the biggest, that's the biggest have, fear. Yes, That's and I'll have fear, options right? in those timeouts. Like, okay, if you if you they've done this all game. If you see this, this is what we'll, we'll call, we're running. We'll run this. If they give you something else, then we'll have we'll run this as an alternative. But that never seems to pan out. I don't know if there's. I just no. I think because because there's. I mean, you're looking at if, if in this situation, right? If you advanced it, 
say you you advance it as best you can, you still have five seconds left, right? They've yeah. been playing yeah. man. To, they played man to man all game, right? They you call timeout. They switch to a zone. Even it's gonna and you know the kids go out. They go. The ref hands on the ball, and the team is just their coach. Their zone. You know their zone. They're yelling. Their zone. Their zone. Their zone. And it, it the, the ball. Then the next thing you know, the ball's inbounded. The clock's ticking, and you're still trying to get people the right places. And you then know, the never, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Then the, the heave of the bad shot, right? So it, it yeah. never. It that's the biggest. The biggest fear in that situation is to call timeout, right? And you have to have a really mature and a really disciplined team to be able to run whatever it is against man and or zone. Now I know mm. some coaches put in stuff like you can run against either. Yeah. Um, and that's probably, you know, obviously the route you want to go in that situation. But again, you have to have a really mature team to be able to do that or call two separate things uh, in the huddle and have them go out and not freak out. And, you know, yeah. the crowds yelling, you know, the crowds. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's a nightmare, but it's not thing, a good situation. I, do, I do. I do want to ask though, if you so let's say uh same situation, mm-hmm. right? You get the defensive rebound, but your best player is a post guy. Mm-hmm. What, <laughs> dude, we're letting it play. We're you're letting, letting him go. We're letting him play. Yeah. Because okay. I, I, I think uh, asterisk, because I'll say if I have a team that if the team knows that the, who needs to touch the ball, I'll let them play for sure. Right. If I have a if I have a team that maybe especially a younger team or they're just not sure of who should be touching it, which it should be pretty obvious a lot of the time, then that may be a timeout situation. But yeah, generally speaking, I like to let them play. Um, that's that's something we're going to do at the end of, of, of every podcast. We'll talk about a hypothetical or we'll do voicemails. I think that's something we're actually really looking forward to. I know I am having people leave us... Um, little tidbits to talk about. Um, and the very last thing I'd like to like to touch on before we head out of here, I'd like to just show love to like, I think Twitter, first of all, is a fantastic resource for information generally, but for basketball information, it's a fantastic resource because you can have so many resources at one time and you can filter out and find the things that you like so fast. And some of the things that I follow that seem to give me a lot of information that I, I'm just like, man, that's, that is really good stuff. These, these two today that I'll give are, um, one is coach Dave, coach Dave love on Twitter. This dude Shoot, was an NBA shooting, shooting coach. The sh- yeah. He, he was an NBA shooting coach for the Mavic magic, the Cavs, and the Suns. Um, uh, and this dude, it, this dude lives on Twitter with like AMAs, uh, just blurbs, just little informational blurbs. Like this is this guy is awesome to follow. Um, I would love to go have him have him in for the team. Like that would be just amazing <laughs> thing to see because there's so much involved with shooting. But um, and another one that that I is a generally speaking a pretty good resource for for me is at PGC Basketball. That's the point guard point guard college. Um, they do a lot of they offer a lot of things for players and coaches alike. They do a, right now. They're doing a lot of things online. Uh, they're just a really great resource, especially I think for younger coaches for sure. Guys that are just kind of like just getting in the door. I think they're generally speaking good resource to use because they're going to hit you with a lot and it's legit. Um, so that's another thing that I think I'd, I'd like to do at the end of these podcasts is just hit the hit the listeners with some of the things we use. 
just some resources. I mean, there's yeah. like we're we're and especially on Twitter, like we're inundated with basketball information. I have so many so many different things bookmarked in my Twitter that like I want to go back to 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 look at, but I just forget. And it's ever growing, and I forget they're there. Yeah. Um, and it stinks. But but one before before we end up, the one I want to mention is uh, I follow Zach Boisfort. Uh, he's the uh, I believe he's the assistant coach at Army. Uh, but he also runs a website called pickandpop.net. Oh, yeah. Um, and this dude is, I mean, again, just he's like an encyclopedia of of basketball. Um, you can find anything you want on there. You find program pieces. You find X's and O pieces. You find basically anything you need. Um, so like like Coach said, it's Twitter is a, a, you know, a blessing and a curse, I suppose, right? It's a blessing. <laughs> you, can, you can find whatever you want, but it's a curse because – you know, you, you really have to pick through what you're looking for uh, and really focus in on that. But it's amazing. Yeah, I think on that note, we'll wrap up episode one. Eh? Sounds good to me, coach. I'm glad All we right, did man. this. Was fun. We'll see you next week. All right. Take Later. care, coach. Do not leave anything in this locker room when you walk out.